everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We're talking about the comic books of 1995. I'm Michael, and John's on the other side. I wave. <laughs> it's so effective, honestly. <laughs> All right, so uh, what we usually do is we break up. He does Marvel, I do DC and Independence of that year, the events, the debuts, and whatever happens that year. So as usual, we start off with Marvel. John, go ahead. Okay, so not a ton happens in the Marvel, on the Marvel side. Actually, not a lot happened, period. I had to do some deep searching and going off memory. Well, well no, because uh, here's the thing. There were two, there were basically two stories that really kind of dominated. I mean, I'll talk about a few things after them, but two stories really kind of dominated uh, Marvel. And, you know what, I was going to do this first, but let's do this one. Uh, the Spider-Man clone saga was in full swing. And, no, I'm not going to tell you every single thing that happened over the course of a year. But uh, here's some of the highlights from the Clone Saga. Mary uh, Jane's pregnancy happens. What? See, I, yeah. by this time, I'm out. I only knew, I only heard horrible, horrible things during this era, but I've heard that lately people were realizing it was too malign. It, it, I do think it is, but... As we go, because there's still another year of this storyline. So, uh, yeah, let's, you'll kind of see where it's maligned. It's not really maligned, but it's also because that's all editorial. <laughs> well, it wasn't because it was only supposed to last a year, but they realized they had so much more room they could do with Ben Riley that DeFalco, Tom DeFalco said, keep going for another year or something like that. Well, he was selling well, so... Yeah, no kidding. Especially when Marvel is almost on the verge of bankruptcy. I think next year or '97 is when they hit rock bottom. Something like that, yeah. Uh, but so yeah, Mary Jane gets pregnant, and it it's storyline that really doesn't go anywhere. I mean, eventually we get the oh, the baby was born, was still born, or was it? Yeah. And then. Nothing happens with this until, like, an issue of What If that decided, hey, remember that, that kind of weird open-endedness that they kind of left it? Well, hey, what if uh, they actually did have a child they rescued it from, like, some genetic bank in Europe or some bullshit? But it became the uh, character Spider-Girl. Oh, right, over and, at the, what was it, uh, Marvel Next or something like that? Yeah, it's like Marvel Universe 2 or whatever. Uh, it, it, this character had a very long long run and it's a very good you know pretty good story uh, character and all that stuff but yeah this this was the genesis of it and uh, let's see uh, the Jackal returns where uh, Miles Warren who originally cloned Peter Parker back in the 70s right right and had been dead for like a decade well it actually really wasn't dead the one that died was a clone <laughs> and, and now he's returned and he now uh, made himself look basically like the beast except he's green and he's all big and furry and uh, and he has Peter Parker clones ladies and gentlemen and also apparently like the real real Gwen Stacy uh, and we discover oh Ben Riley is the real Peter Parker and Wow. What we've been following for the last uh, decade or two or whatever. And, oops, a doodle. We've been following the spider clone. Huh. 
Yeah, I remember people were furious, but Marvel does this now, like, on a regular basis. Captain America's been working with Hydra this whole time, ha ha ha. Yeah, uh, let's see, Amazing 400 happens during this, and that's the issue where Aunt May dies. And, of course, no, she doesn't, I forget. Yeah. I Is this the era where we got the metal suit, the silver metal suit? Uh, this, yeah, this happens in the 90s, too. Uh, I think it happened a little before this, still. Oh, okay. Uh, but we also have the mysterious uh, villain Kane that has his has a really boner set out to kill uh, Ben Riley. We discover he is actually a failed uh, Peter Parker clone as well. <laughs> and our hero gets uh, arrested for the crimes that Kane has committed because, you know, allegedly, and this is not how it works. Same fingerprints. But, uh, yeah, uh, you can start, you can kind of start telling that, uh, this, uh, storyline's kind of going off the rails. Yep. Absolutely. I'm glad I wasn't reading during this time period. So, while all this shit is going on, the planet of the symbionts happens. Which is a storyline in which, uh, symbionts invade and take over New York, and Venom, Spider-Man, and Scott Spider have to go and, uh, stop them. And it makes no fucking sense because 20 years later, they also go and retcon that. <laughs> the Stibians aren't, aren't evil or whatever the hell the bullshit reason was. And we just forgot this story ever existed. Uh, let's see. Scott Spider joins the new, new, new mutants, <laughs> the new warriors. I don't remember this character. Wait, no, that's what the Ben Riley became, right? Scarlet Spider? Okay. Yeah, that's a Ben Riley ben character. I'm actually shocked New Warriors are still going at this point. I thought it was done and over with. No, it was still running for a little bit after this. Uh, there was the Spider-Man uh, thing, Maximum Clonage. Oh, boy. Where, having learned that he's a clone, Peter Parker joins with the Jackal, and uh, you know, obviously things don't go well. Oh yeah, and we get yet another uh, Peter Parker clone. This one's called Spider Side. Oh god. Now, this comes near the end of it. Peter Parker finally quits being Spider-Man. He turns it over to Ben uh, to Ben Riley. He can do whatever he wants with it, and all the books become the Scarlet Spider <laughs> for like two issues. I'm rubbing my head over all of this nonsense. But this is this is the year of <laughs> Spider. This is like all over the course of the entire year of uh, Spider-Man stuff. Ridiculous, ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Now the other thing that really uh, took Marvel was uh, Le- the end of Legion Quest and the storyline we'll talk about right after that. We I mentioned that Legion Quest has an ending. Uh, basically. Xavier's son, Daniel, uh, Legion, decided to, uh, he's going to fix the world and kill Magneto in the past. And some X-Men go back and stop him, and, oh shit, there's a mistake, and he kills Xavier. Uh Uh-oh, oh right, I remember this. And from that moment, like, most of the X-Men make it back, except for Bishop, who gets stranded in the 70s, and everything changes. And it's actually a pretty interesting, uh, end to those books yeah this this is that small gap where i wasn't reading it i don't think i read it 94 95 and maybe a little bit 96 but i remember there's just a small window where i wasn't i never went back to the back issue so i had no idea what was going on yeah it's like because 
is really weird. If you weren't following X-Men, all of a sudden, some of these issues just kind of end. Like, there's a big white, you know, a white thing happens, and what the fuck? Although, uh, in the X-Men, uh, Gavin's been, you know, afraid of some things, and he and, he and uh, Rogue <laughs> just Excuse final kiss at the, at the edge of Armageddon. And that's going to become something later on. But uh, it turns into, without uh, Xavier to uh, create the X-Men and uh, do, what, do what he does, no one's there to really stop the villainous apocalypse from Ooh. taking over America. And now, even though everything is kind of a shit, you know, a shithole, mutants are kind of the ruling class. Ooh. And, uh, you know... Uh, <sighs> Magneto has formed his own version of the X-Men. I won't go into who's all on the team, but uh, like characters like uh, Cyclops and Havoc and Beast are all parts of Apocalypse Society. And Beast himself has become like a fucking Nazi uh, scientist. And, you know, Cyclops and uh, Havoc are fucking uh, the biggest cops and uh, you know like high up on on his uh, his chain of commands you know uh, Wolverine and Jean Grey are mercenary lovers Gambit is like a Robin Hood thief I mean shit just goes kind of goes crazy but uh, all the books got retitled so you had Amazing X-Men Astonishing X-Men which were both the the X-Men titles right right Excalibur I remember that, yeah, yeah. I could caliber like in a bullet. Weapon X, Generation Next, Gambit and the Externals, which was X-Force. Factor X. Take a wild guess what that one Uh, Power Pack? (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I knew it. And and X-Men, which took over Cable. And basically each of these books told like a little... So there was like an alpha and omega issue to set up and end the storyline. But each of these comics kind of took took a portion of the overarching story and kind of like, okay, well, in this one, uh, Gavin and his team are sent to steal a shard of the reality-shattering Emkron crystal from the Shi'ar. Uh, the Generation X kids have to go and save uh, Ilion Rasputin from this uh, Age of Apocalypse original character, Sugar Man. Oh my god, yeah. the Sugar Man, I remember that fucking character. Yikes. Yeah, that's, that's a weird, like, he's Modoc except without a suit. Yeah. Uh, you know, Nightcrawler is off to, you know, set to find uh, Destiny, who is able, you should be able to corroborate the fact that Bishop had been time stuck in since the 70s and is now basically saying that this is not how the reality is supposed to be. And, uh, let's see. Yeah, basically everyone is just kind of there to, uh, to pull everything in together for the final battle against Apocalypse. And eventually they do. You know, Bishop is actually being able to send back in time to prevent this reality from happening, and everything returns to normal. Except they decide to go and keep revisiting this storyline many times. Yeah. And, you know, you've got some characters who actually escape this. The 
Sugar Man and the Dark Beast both uh, make it into uh, into the regular six one six. They also uh, end up being retconned into being parts of other storylines too. So all of a sudden, oh yeah, the uh, was it uh, ah? Why can't I think of the stupid the island uh, nation that is uh, Genosha? Thank you. Yeah, they're like. Oh yeah, he uh, Sugar Man's behind a lot of the the genetic bullshit that happens in Genosha. <laughs> I mean, he was never mentioned or ever seen at any point, but he was there. You just have to look at the background check. But we also have uh, uh, Nate Gray, the X Man. Yeah, I remember that being a big fucking deal, but I don't think I've heard anything from X Man in God forever. But he's probably been brought back. I just don't pay attention to X Men anymore. He was, uh, he, they did bring him back near the, uh, end of the previous X-Men, uh, era. And, uh, basically, they have Nick Gray around just so he can run around shirtless. <laughs> Seriously, he's the beefcake, uh, hero. He's terrible, he's such a, he's not as 90s as, uh, uh Adam, Adam X, the extreme, but he's pretty much but uh, you know the only other you know big thing that happens is once they you know get through that uh, storyline Cannibal ends up graduating to the X-Men because oh yeah that's right we had uh, stories going <laughs> well also like it was about time the New Mutants actually graduated it's been like 8 fucking years or 10 years since they joined yeah and it's like they've had you know, New Mutants and then X-Force and then all of a sudden you know, what are we going to do with them? Oh, yeah, let's actually make one of them finally a fucking X-Man. I think Cannonball, again, Cannonball is my favorite character of the New Mutants. Well, they also kind of dumbed him down. Like, through the New Mutants and X-Force, he's a leader character. Uh-huh. The second that he comes in X-Man, he's, gee, golly, Willikers. <laughs> oh, shucks, I'm from the South, sir. I'm just a, I'm just a child. But okay. That's, those are the two big things that happened. Uh, there was the Doctor Strange Last Rites, where uh, he had lost the title of Sorcerer Supreme to a, uh, the villainous uh, Salome. Oh, okay. And he was trying, and he was like trying to get uh, assistance from Clea in the Dark Dimension, but she's kind of busy trying to overthrow Dormammu <laughs> at the time. So Strange makes like magical beings sort of clones of himself and basically they actually just want life and it's it's a weird story because it's you know, like they're trying they decided that Doctor Strange is just too old to be in the Marvel Universe so and, he, and he's not hip <laughs> so at the end of this storyline he reclaims the title of Sorcerer Supreme. He gets a new costume. He's slightly de-aged. Yeah, I and, saw it. It was fucking stupid. It's like when they did that with Dr. Fate. Remember? They put the... Little more mask. We're just going to put a logo on his eyes. and onk. Yeah, and then he's uh, he's rocking a pair of kick-ass shades. Cool. Uh, it's extreme. Uh, doing all this stuff, he had, uh, you know, he had basically, like, hidden his body away from the light or some bullshit. So he's got, like, he can't handle the light very well. So he's got rocking shades. Let's see, there was the Skull Kill Crew. 
which was uh, created by Grant Morrison and Mark Millar. Okay. Miller. I remember this now, yeah. Yeah, basically, remember, like, way back in Fantastic Four number two? <laughs> when, uh, when some cows were, uh, well, some scrolls invaded and then uh, were tricked into becoming cows? Yeah, yeah. Well, guess what? Those cows got uh, slaughtered and became uh, burgers and milk and stuff, and uh, some people ate them. And those that... And there was, like, uh, they're effectively diseased. Yeah. But, but if those... If, if, you, if it didn't bother you, that's fine. If it did, you either died or you gained superpowers. And the hatred of scrolls, like, passionate, you had to go and fucking kill them. So... Yeah, that that was uh, that was a book for five issues. <laughs> it was I think it was supposed to be called the Scroll Kill Cult, which was actually, and uh, the name was taken from uh, the band My Life is a Thrill Kill Cult. Nice. So they were, uh, but yes, yeah, it, it was supposed to be an ongoing series, and very quickly they went, <laughs> no, we're not going to have this as a series, <laughs> and it basically lasted yeah less than five issues. It, they show up in the Secret Invasion storyline, and then there's like one more series after this involving. <laughs> Just for some reason, people don't give a shit about them, and it's probably because they suck. Yeah. Let's see. Uh, Venom, Sinner Take All. I'm not going to go a whole, whole bunch about this one. It's Venom versus uh, a, another incarnation of a villain called the Sin Eater. But. Uh, this is basically noticeable because Eddie Brock's ex-wife, Anne Whelan, is uh, paired with the symbiote at one point. So we get the cover of issue three, which is very off-putting because it's a co- it's got Venom with boobs. <laughs> Gross. Yeah, it's really disturbing. Look it up, please. I I will tell you, you will it'll bother you so much, and I want you all to see that. Because I had to see it. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, Green Goblin. There was a new Green Goblin series where Phil Yurick, uh, the nephew of the Daily Planet reporter Ben Yurick, finds you know a, a stash of Harry Osborn's old Goblin stuff, and he decides to become a hero. And it doesn't. The series doesn't last very long, and then that character becomes a villain because, of course, he does. It's a fucking goblin character. <laughs> when has ever when has ever has a goblin character been a good guy? Uh, nope, got nothing. Let's see. Uh, all three of the Punisher comics, uh, Punisher, Punisher War Journal, and Punisher War Zone get canceled. Do you, th- do, you, do you think that's weird that they didn't just you know take get rid of like the lowest selling one or whatever, or just keep one title? They just got rid of the whole shebang. There's going to be somewhat reason for this. Uh, but we do get uh, The Punisher Kills the Marvel Universe, which was uh, a Garth Ennis uh, joint, where basically instead of gangsters killing him, uh, Frank Castle's family is killed in a uh, superhero brawl. So he goes off and kills all the superheroes. Basically... <clears throat> a what if. Yeah, it's a what if. Uh, Garth Ennis... Basically, kind of wrote this. He he didn't do things for Marvel, but they brought him back uh, after his success with Preacher and uh, and Hitman. 
to actually go and revise the Punisher series back in the 2000s. And that was far more successful. Yeah, way more than the, uh, what was the one where he came back from the dead? He was an angel of death or something like that. Had... Oh, oh, we'll, we'll talk about that. I've yeah. read it. Yeah. We'll talk about I that. I think I sent it to you if I remember correctly. <laughs> no, no, you didn't. Okay. Thankfully, because, God, it's bad. Uh, but basically, there was a thing called Marvel Edge. I know I mentioned in the last show that there was the editorial shakeup where it's like, okay, instead of one editor-in-chief, we're going to have five editors-in-chief, and each one's going to deal with a certain one. Basically, for all the books that didn't really have a home, they were given to Bobby Chase. And she was an editor for things like G.I. Joe and like all the Midnight Suns books. So they gave her Daredevil, Doctor Strange, the Hulk, Ghost Rider, and the Punisher. Oh, it's all like kind of an early version of Marvel Knights, huh? Yeah, basically... It, this did not, this basically lasted less than a year. And that's partially, we'll, we'll talk about what happens in 96. Okay. kind of kills this thing. But yeah, Marvel Knights ultimately was the far more successful successor of this idea. But yes, there was a new Punisher series. It ran for a little while. I've only read one issue from it, though. Let's see, then I got one more, no, oh, two more things. There are two all kind of big what-if things. They were calling them alternaverse because they didn't want them to necessarily be what-ifs because they wanted them to be more fucked up and uh, they run a little bit longer. They're more like the Elseworlds, but longer format. Yeah, because both of these are two-issue miniseries. The first one was The Last Avenger Story. Oh, I've read this, yes. Yeah, uh, written by Peter David and art by Ariel Olivetti was actually written in 86. Whoa. There was constant editorial, you know, messing with it. They basically, he shelved it until people just leave him the fuck alone. And it's basically Hank Pym having to form an Avenger squad for a battle against King the Conqueror, Ultron, and some others. And it's, you can, you can probably speak to it a little bit more. I've tried reading it, but it, I never didn't get hooked on it. Yeah, no, I haven't. I read it like five years ago. I don't remember anything. I read so many comics I can't remember shit. Yeah, I, I just remember that it's it's pretty graphic in some of its violence. Not as bad as current stuff that you can get, but pretty. It was pretty twisted. And speaking of twisted, the last one I'll talk about is Ruins. I don't know what this is. Okay, uh, it's a two-issue series uh, by Warren Ellis with art by Therese Nelson, Cliff Nelson, and a little bit by Chris Muller. Basically, like, painted art. Okay. It's a parody, a dark parody of Marvels. Oh, okay. So instead of, like, the glorious stories that made up the rise of, you know, like, the Avengers and Fantastic Four and stuff, instead we're in an America that's uh, run by the oppressive President Xavier, who really doesn't give a shit about uh, mutants at all. <laughs> Weird. Um, the Avengers became a radical secession group that was fighting in opposition, and they get wiped out, like, in the first couple of pages. You know, Wolverine, he's, like, slowly dying of adamantium poisoning. Uh, let's see, we find out that the Fantastic Four, minus Ben Grimm, uh, all crashed and died of their uh, cosmic ray... Mutations. 
Uh, Bruce Banner, uh, the gout bomb didn't turn him to a Hulk. He just became the giant tumor man. Ew. Yeah, it's, it is dark. Um, <laughs> it's a messed up, it's a sideshow version of Marvel's, and I love it. Because it, every time, every page goes just like, oh shit. Oh, <laughs> wow. You, you have some problems, Warren. Which is true, but... Well, also probably dealing with the reality of what something like that would do to you. Yeah, effectively, it's a little more of a realistic uh, idea. Like, if you had, you know, uh, an invading alien force and they and they fail, what are you going to do with them? Eh, probably throw them in a, uh, you know, in the middle of the Nevada desert on a, on a, a small little plot of land. Oh, and they're dying of radiation poisoning because, you know, we tested bombs on that site, but fuck them, they were invading aliens. <laughs> sorry, sorry Marvel. You're going to die of cancer one way or the other. But yeah, that's, that's about it for Marvel. Okay, so over in the DC Universe, we have Doom Patrol ending. If you don't know about this era of Doom Patrol, it's miraculous. And we want to thank Grant Morrison for keeping it alive for so long because, yes, there was the 60s run, which was fairly popular, right? Wasn't it sort of like my favorite adventure or something, like my greatest adventure, then it became Doom Patrol. But then it disappeared for, I think, like 15 years and then became one of those early Vertigo titles. It had already been established by this point, but I think DC saw, like, the writing was on the wall for a more mature line. And everything you kind of know about the show was from his run. And they've tried relaunching this thing probably, what, nine times since then? And no one gives a shit. I don't know why they can't get this series to go again. I, you got me. Well, they, for the most part, they're characters that no one knows. And they don't really give you any any way to get into it. Yeah, Doom Patrol, like the Metal Men, are constantly being relaunched. And they rarely show up in the regular like DC universe, you know, when it comes to the comics. And they have their niche falling. I don't understand why anybody loves the Metal Men. It's lost on me. But Doom Patrol, I always thought, was very endearing and weird and just different than everything else that was going on in the superhero universe. And I would probably say there's also, unfairly, because they're books lost at the same time, pretty much, is that comparison to the X-Men. That's and, I can see that, yeah. And so it's, you know, I, I can see why it's... I have tried reading it. It's... Morrison's run, as much as I like and hate Morrison, yeah, it's it's one of the things that I just couldn't do because he's he likes to be weird for the sake of weird at times. Oh yeah, I can see. And, yeah, and and that run is very much a lot of that. There, uh, I believe Tom King is taking over the new relaunch that starts next month. So hopefully that work. I really like Tom King's work. Yeah, and here's hoping. Here's hoping. Yeah. The uh, uh, Power of Shazam, probably the most well-known of all of the Captain Marvel, I guess now considered Shazam only, uh, series. Jerry Ordway was the main guy behind it. I remember, like, this was really critically acclaimed. Never really broke through as, like, a top 20 comic. But it really finally found its footing in the DC Universe for a while. Yeah, I, I just remember that. Like my my dad had all these like old Shazam comics, so it was. I, I remember reading a lot of that stuff in the past, and then 
when they finally like really put him into the DC universe when I was reading it always seemed kind of awkward because it's you know you have Superman yeah and so he was just kind of he was magic Superman well, and and I think during the uh, the Justice League, was it? I think it was called uh, Justice League International first. Then it got turned to Justice League America and Justice League Europe. That run with Dematis and Giffen and stuff like that is where they kind of established more of his aw shucks, clueless kind of juxtaposition to Superman. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for some reason it just it never keeps. He never really struck me as a character that I liked. Although uh, the guy who who does Bone, yeah, that's the only one that I really liked was the one by Jeff Smith. Yeah, his his little uh, his graphic novel version of it's amazing. Yeah, but a character has a call following like I, you and I, I. Nothing really I glommed onto, but I mean, there's two fucking movies, and so I guess there is a fan following of some sort. Well, the first movie is amazing. I had a great time with it. I haven't seen this new one. Yeah. Um, so over in Vertigo, I think at this point, for the most part, we were already having established titles that just got moved over. If I remember correctly, we you know we had uh, uh, Sandman and uh, um, what did I just say a second ago? Oh, Doom Patrol, Animal Man, something like stuff that had already been published. You know, characters you already knew. I think. I don't recall any original Vertigo series really like breaking through when people were talking about it until this year when Preacher debuts. Yeah. Because like after that, that kind of opened the floodgates and we got like Transmetropolitan and it just kept going from there. But Preacher seems to be the gold standard of when you think of Vertigo, you usually think of like a Vertigo original, it's Preacher. Yes, that's 100%. And it's a such a great and blasphemous series. Yeah, it's fucking twisted and weird and epic, and, and, and sometimes it's so small scale in what you're seeing, but with the motions behind what's going on is so complicated. I have not seen the show, though. Have you seen it? I saw the first season. Yeah? Or most of the first season, and I could... No, I think I saw the second. It, the first season bugged me so much because it's not Preacher. Like, everything about it is stuff that it begins before Preacher. Oh. And then, and then it kind of goes off on the off the rails in a direction that, like, they basically take stuff that happens way later in the comic and throws it into that. And it's like, I, I don't want to see the meat man now before we have you know just me with this crisis of you know, even more so crisis of faith and it was also the fact that he's Jesse's made a godly character when he should be pissed off at God the entire time yeah yeah so they watered it down heavily I mean I assume stuff like Arseface isn't gonna show up cause that's too fucking darker there's not gonna have hillbillies who fuck fish but <laughs> but I'm assuming like a lot of it just got really like tamed down, but also did they compress it? Because I know this, the the comic was always meant to end at what I think it was 66 issues or something like that. But this, yeah, preacher but, only yeah. preacher only lasted what uh, three seasons? Something like that. Yeah, it's like I I know I saw parts of it because they did have I did they did have the uh, uh, why can't I think of the 
the main villain's name. Honestly, I can't. I can't. He's like a stone guy, right? Like he looks like a fucking like if um uh. It's okay, you have a knife wound in his head that makes him look like he's a giant penis. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't think okay. of the name of the character, but I, Cassidy is part of the series, right? Because he's like my favorite character. Yeah, yeah, okay. he's in it. Tulip's in it, but they also they make Tulip basically a psycho. Really. And, that really kind of bothered me where she was a little bit too I'm good with guns I love you know it's like not that I'm good shooting it's like oh I have no problem with guns fucking give me a gun I will shoot a guy in the head it's like no <laughs> she's reluctant like yeah she's a fucking excellent marksman yeah that seems like I, I get why sometimes you have to stray away from the source material just to surprise audiences but when you go too far away you kind of alienate the original core and there's always I remember Preacher was something that was always in development for like since the day it fucking debuted. I feel like like Kevin Smith was attached to it for a movie, and then it was gonna go to HBO, and then it was gonna, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, I can't think today, man. My brain's gone. The guy who starts in the fucking uh, okay, I have to. <laughs> it was was uh, shepherding this one, and okay. I felt I felt comfortable with the idea that he. He would do it because I felt like he would have some quote-unquote reverence for the material, but ultimately just kind of went, wow, you, this should have been like a HBO, you know, an HBO show or something. Yeah, I mean, that was always what was established, because I remember that um, James uh, Marsden was supposed to be in the HBO version, that fell apart too, so. Yeah, it's like, and people like, oh wait, no, but they had Walking Dead and stuff, and that was graphic violence and stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but you HBO could still get away with doing a lot worse than what you get on AMC or whatever. Definitely. <laughs> All right. So um, the only really big event that I can't even talk about, and just because I read, read, read it recently because I was so curious about it for years, was uh, Underworld Unleashed. And it's a dud. I mean, that's your big event for the year is they introduce a new villain named Neuron. And uh, he brings all these villains or whatever down to his, his hellscape or whatever and, and says you sell me or sell i'll give you more powers and they're like yay we suck we'll take them <laughs> and that's it they all get their asses kicked anyway some of them go horribly wrong like instead of just being a guy in a cobra costume he becomes a real cobra monster you know shit like that it, it was kind of like um the inferno thing with hobgoblin just taken to the extreme uh i can't believe dc put all their eggs in that basket <laughs> one thing that happened, at least in the Superman books, mainly because I'm actually holding the, the start of it, uh, you know, Superman 100, which was the death of Clark Kent. Yeah, I read that. I didn't remember a fucking thing about that. Uh, he just decides to be, stop being Clark Kent because he didn't have time anymore, right? No, it's uh, a villain uh, from his, uh, like, literally someone he grew up with, be, you know, becomes a villain and he knows he's Superman, so... Superman has to kill the cats, effectively. Ah, that's pretty mediocre, dude. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. But I have, but I'm physically holding the first issue because it's one of the things that I still have from in my DC box of stuff. Old, old comics. Oh, sometimes I miss long boxes of comics, but also they're just not as uh, pleasing to the eye as having the books on my shelf. Yeah, it's just like it's a shoebox. It, 
all the issues I have from uh, zero hour, from uh, his death, and uh, mostly Reign of Superman, and uh, the few stuff I have from uh, Night's, uh, Nightfall. Oh, okay. Um, we have the debut of Nightwing, finally, people. Finally. There was a miniseries before this, I think, like, two years before, and it, it, it sold okay. But Chuck Dixon, as much as he is a giant piece of shit in real life, he fucking knew the Batverse, and he launched, you know, he, he launched Robin so well, and then in 96, he got uh, Nightwing just right. He changed his costume, finally got rid of the fucking, like, you know, high collar and the yellow, you know, gave him a sleek-looking blue and black uh, outfit, gave him his own city in Bloodhaven, gave him a major villain blockbuster, and really built up that universe. I was hardcore on Nightwing for like a, a dozen years until he, he quit and then it got all weird and horror-like. I didn't care for it. But I love Dick Grayson as this version of Nightwing where he's trying to he's trying to be Nightwing at night and he's trying to be a cop during the day and it's driving him crazy but he just wants to push himself so hard. He's got these great villains. And Scott McDaniel, the first time you see the art by Scott McDaniel, you might be thrown off. It's very cartoonish. But he's the only guy I've ever seen that was able to draw how you imagine that Nightwing would fight because he's a gymnast. And it was so exciting and, and unique to see that artwork. I just fell in love with it. I, I know I've read some of this. Because uh, I, I definitely know I read a lot of the Chuck Dixon Robin stuff. Because he did the... I know he's doing the Tim Drake uh, series as well. Yeah, with Tim, he was really good at getting Tim's character down outside of just being Robin. But he never really got to build up much of a villain, you know, like adversaries. And your, your, your hero is usually only as strong as the villains. And I think Nightwing, he really capitalized on just creating all these new weirdo villains that just work. My favorite is that... He inspires a uh, another guy to dress up like Nightwing, but it's N-I-T-E dash wing. It's just a dude in a red and white suit with a baseball bat who just beats people up, you know, and hammers their skulls and whatever, just at the slightest. Like, oh, you littered, and he kills them, whatever. And I thought that was a really interesting take that sometimes the hero worship can go so wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a... I listen, I... Of all the DC characters, yeah, the Bat, the Bat family has been pretty much the ones that I've liked the most, like scattered DC universe stuff. Yeah, I think I think taking Dick out, oof, that didn't that didn't, that did not sound the way I wanted to at all. <laughs> but taking him out of the Batverse, you know, he wasn't Nightwing anymore, and making him that agent of what Spiral or something like that was the worst yeah. decision. I, I hated that run. Yeah, that. He, he is Nightwing, and there's no reason to, to mess with that stuff. Yeah, and honestly, by this, honestly, at this point, I really thought that he was going to be Batman, like permanently, not just two times just for, oh, Bruce needs a break, or Bruce disappeared. I really thought that was always the plan, is that Bruce was going to retire, and, and Dick was going to take over. But at the same time, I like when they create a new character and they give them their own thing, instead of it always being about heritage. It only really works, I think, with the Justice Society. Well, yeah, there's... But then again, those are characters that people, let, let's be honest, no one really gives a shit about That's true. a lot of them, so you can 
if you find a new way to, to bring a new character in. Right. I don't think there was any hate letters being sent in for our man being <laughs> replaced. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, I mean, we also have the debut of the Impulse comic, another one I was a massive fan of. And yes, he was uh, the great-great-grandson of uh, Barry Allen in the 23rd or 26th universe. And he had debuted in the regular series. And then they decided to give him his own spinoff, which was much more comedy-based. And I think that uh, Mark Wade, working off of the, uh, the art of Humberto Ramos, uh, was so much fun to look at because it's just so cartoony and, and good. It, it, well, Ramos, I think most people probably know later when he was jumping over to the Spider-Man titles. Yeah. Or Crimson. Yeah. But at this, this is a time when we started really getting manga-influenced art. Yes. And for the, there's, there's only a handful of people I think do it well. Ramos, I, I, will, I do think he's hit or miss. It's like, there are times I've absolutely loved his stuff, and then at the same time, there's, there's times where, and I think it's earlier on Ramos' stuff that really just kind of doesn't work for yeah. me. Yeah, well, when he's on this, his line work isn't as strong. It's more style over substance, and as he would get older, I think it gets better. Yeah, I don't know. For anyone, any uh, U.S. artist doing that stuff, I think the only person who's ever truly done it well was, uh, uh, what's his name, who did uh, Danger Girl and stuff, right? Oh, J. Scott Campbell. No, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, no. Adam Warren. Adam Warren. Oh, okay. And then Mandarira, I don't. I, he was anime or manga influence, but uh, I don't. He just washed out, I guess, after a while. Yeah, it's it, like he's seeing now. Dangerous, uh, dirty hair. Yeah. The uh, the last thing I'll say about the DC universe is there was a point where Justice League was so lost, it was revving hard after the whole Superman. You know, uh, you know, fighting Doomsday. That storyline was so good, and it kind of tripped a little bit because Wonder Woman just, for some reason, it she didn't gel with the team as well. But half the team was injured, so those guys kind of disappeared. And they started adding just whoever was popular at that time, instead of finding a cohesive team. Like, oh, the Ray is selling really well. Let's bring him over. You know, stuff like that. Damage. Um, but there were some guys that were left over after that overhaul, and Justice League Europe had ended. So they had Blue Beetle, Booster Gold. I want to say it was Maxima, Captain Adam. There's someone else in there I can't remember. But they introduced a series called Extreme Justice. And this one's very image influence. It's very dynamic, huge, you know, boobs and muscles and flying all over the place kind of artwork, you know, huge panel stuff. And the action was supposed to be like more extreme. Uh, they were they were taking on stuff before, like they were like uh, trying to be a preventative kind of action force. It doesn't work. The art's interesting, but it is of its time. But I thought this was interesting because Booster Gold has a suit, a metal suit this time, like an armor, because his okay. ass... This is when he got his ass handed to him by Doomsday, and he was terrified of going back to his old costume. So he gets a suit of armor that Ted builds for him. Yeah, I do I do remember the Booster Gold suit. Like, yeah. It, it, it's, although this happens later, it, or not later... No, it happened, it's reminiscent of that uh, Captain America suit. Yes, it, it, almost the same exact style. And do you remember when Blue Beetle re, uh, inverted his colors to make himself look tougher? He's like, I got to be tougher for this new hard world or whatever. So he's black and blue, not blue on top of, or, you know, like black, a little hints of it on a blue suit. Yeah, 
Uh, yeah, it wasn't a good idea, but I remember at the time thinking like, okay, they're trying to update this, but that's when everybody realized, uh-oh, and then in 96, we're going to get the, the reboot with the Core 7 and Grant Morrison and Howard Porter. You know, that, that was almost like it was necessary to cleanse the palate. All right, so that is the end of the DC Universe. <laughs> All right, so over in the indie world, we have the debut of Kurt Busiek's Astro City, a comic I've never read, but I remember this was what everybody was talking about. It won all the awards and acclaim. Hmm, I know, this is not what I've, I've read. Yeah, I just remember everybody was talking about it for a while, and I, I've never read it, but if you're a fan of it, let us know what you thought. Uh, so, of the labels or publishers that end, Defiant ends again. I feel like they already ended. I feel like I said this three years ago. That was the one that Jim Shooter uh, debuted after I think he left Valiant. Uh, I couldn't tell you a fucking thing from that except Warriors of Plasm, <laughs> which everybody had like 50 copies of and no one wants. <laughs> uh, Moonstone Books. Now, no one really knows what Moonstone Books is during this era. I don't even, but I know what they were like 10 years after this. They were the guys that were picking up the dead uh, licenses. The ones that no one really cared about, but they put a lot of care into their stuff. They were buying like Captain Action, which was a dead toy line. They bought the Phantom. They did Buckaroo Banzai, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, stuff like that. Now, most of what they do now is just publishing book versions of these characters like short novels or whatever or anthology stories but there was a period of time where they were really keeping the lights on for a lot of these characters and uh, I appreciate that I really enjoyed their Phantom uh, books hmm. I did not know they had those yeah look them up they, 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 all the pulpy stuff that no one really wanted to do for a while they were the ones that were keeping it alive like the shadow and stuff like that um, we have Homage, uh, which was a spinoff of Wildstorm, which was supposed to be more of uh, old school classic, not so much the extreme stuff, and more like Alex Ross, like what he was headed towards with Marvels and, and Kingdom Come. That's what their kind of thing was. I, for some reason, have drawn a complete and absolute fucking blank on what they printed. <laughs> I feel terrible right now. So... <laughs> God damn it, it was the guy in the white suit. He was a big bulky guy. He looked kind of like Superman, but old. Oh, 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 an S. Um. Supreme, Supreme. Right? No. No, they didn't do Supreme? I was so sure they did. There was, their imprint was more also focused on, I think, uh, like, owner. Like, you know, they would publish it, but you, they didn't own the rights. I'm starting to look that up just to see. Okay, so here it is. No, I guess I was wrong. So it's not Supreme, but it was um, Ex Machina, Astro City, Aerosmith, not the band, the Arrow and the word Smith. And yeah. Cliffhanger came out of homage. So we got Danger Girl, Battle Chasers, Crimson, Steampunk, stuff like that. Yeah, see, that. I, I was starting to think Astro City. I think that's the one we're thinking of. Yeah, and then... And then uh, um, I think the the Max, I think, was on its own, and then it came over to Homage. And, and that's also the year that the, the cartoon debuted, which I don't think I've ever seen. Hmm. Oh, wait, wait. I have seen the Max. Yeah, yeah. I've seen the Max. Okay. 
Um, and then we have Techno, which only really is known for the Neil Gaiman independent comics. And they got collected up recently, if you're interested. But his was kind of like just non-superhero sci-fi stuff. They didn't last very long. Yeah, I think I've read some of those. Pretty uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, Diamond uh, Publishing basically buys up everybody or gets the license for everybody's stuff. And, and it's, they're still dominant to this day, right? There's nobody else really that can compete with Diamond. No, that's... I think uh, in recent years, I think DC has started has started to do their own self-publishing stuff again. But, yeah, uh, I think they're the only ones to go away from that. But there was a time when everybody had their own people, you know, their own in, uh, individual companies. And I think maybe the collapse around this time is how Diamond was able to take over because a lot of guys were starting to hurt. Or they just didn't want to take on those responsibilities. I think the only holdout was Marvel for a little while until they went bankrupt. Yeah, because that's, that's really what hurt them. Yeah. Um, speaking of Marvel, Malibu, I don't... Have we got to the point where Malibu is purchased by Marvel yet? I think we are. Yeah, I, I think we talked about that last... Yeah, I think we, sure we did talk about yeah. that last so they, they took them over, and they tried to reboot the Ultraverse again, and it's just a complete and absolute dud, and then after that, they just threw away Malibu. I, I, like I, you said they made an appearance in something later, like a brief appearance... But that's it for this whole universe of characters they created. I don't know if it has a fan following. I just don't know. Yeah, it's like, I believe it's still not... Oh yeah, we have, I, we have plans for them. We're going to do something with them. And that has been years now. Yeah. Uh, Johnny the Homicidal Maniac debuts by Yonan... I think I'm saying his name. Yonan Vasquez, who most people know is the creator of Invader Zim. Yeah, I have I have this uh, both in it's in the individual issues and the collection. This is fucked up. This is the most fucked up comic I've ever read. That I also kind of felt like ah, it's kind of fun. It's so horribly disturbing. Yeah, I enjoy it. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's a twisted little monkey of a comic, yeah. and it's very much uh, Lovecraftian in in almost every aspect of it. And the story is nonsense. Good luck trying to figure out what is actually going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and here's a way, and I normally wouldn't write about this, but I remember for a while, TMNT at Archie Comics was a big deal. And that was, I think, the only thing running with TMNT. I don't believe the independent dark stuff was still going. Am I wrong? I think, yeah. I think that was that uh, all, the, all the dark stuff ended, and they're now just, uh, yeah, I think they're just from the Archie stuff, which was yeah. kind of kind of based off the cartoon. Yeah, I was going to say, because it was totally different flow and vibe to it, because it didn't have that dark independent set. It wasn't black and white comics. It was the closest thing you were going to get to a comic book version of the cartoon. Yeah, but it was like, it had continued on from from where the cartoon had stopped, so it was just kind of like new adventures with, the, with characters that felt familiar. Yeah, and I believe the cartoon had ended at this time, and Archie probably saw the writing on the wall that it was, you know, done. I'm shocked that it still is going so strong to this day that we're still having TMNT shows and movies, and the comics still go so well. Did you see the trailer for the new film that's coming? Uh, out? I've heard about it, but I haven't seen it yet. It's they're kids, right? They're like little kids. They're they're actually playing the them as teenagers, which is interesting. Yeah, well, I'll take anything over that Michael Bay fucking ugly horse shit. Yeah, it's definitely much more what you would 
I think much more of what I want for a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And the final thing I'll say is this isn't technically comic books, but it was so huge in my world, and we never talk about comic strips. But Calvin Hobbes ends and has never come back. And I'm flabbergasted because this guy just like truly said, I'm done telling the story I want to tell. I'm out. It's, which, which is weird because that rarely ever happens. Most comic strips come back after a while, like Bloom County, or they go on and on and on, even after the creator dies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's still some of those... Still kicking around. Wizard of Id. Who the fuck is like crazy for Hagar the Horrible? You know, still like that BC. But yeah, so that, 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 was a, that was a rough day was, was when you had that last issue being published. Yeah, I have the whole collection here, and I just, I, I love his adventures and his journey, and, and the fact that he did just say, I'm not really interested in merchandising, I'm not really interested in cartoon adaptations, you know, so like that. He didn't milk it for all it's worth. He's like, this is art to me and it was art i mean the, especially the landscapes the time that he would take for the sundays the sunday uh version was absolutely amazing and i guess he's finally coming back but not with calvin hobbs like he has a whole new graphic novel that he has coming out soon hmm. i'm definitely take a look at that yeah i'll find the article it was about two weeks ago or something like that they, they were saying like oh here we got the pre-orders for it and i guess he just disappeared to the woods where he uh not woods literally but he used to live on the edge of the woods like the way Calvin does when he was a kid in Ohio. And, and you know, that's where he has been for the last 25 years just doing fine art paintings. And he doesn't want to be a celebrity. He wants that single thing that he created to be, you know, its own voice, you know, instead of like, oh, we're going to have all these other things promoting it or whatever, like Garfield. <laughs> that is it. It was kind of a slim year, but we still went an hour and I'm kind of pooped now. <laughs> Yeah, we, we just say some, you know, some stuff about very little. Yeah. All right, so that is it of this episode. Uh, John, do you want to set us out? Everybody, read comics. They're fucking awesome. Yeah, everybody. Seriously, don't let people, like, you still read comics? Yeah, because there's some good shit in here, people. Look, there's been rough phases. The 90s wasn't exactly the greatest for mainstream comics. But independent comics, man, fuck yeah. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'll shut it now. Bye. Bye.